Good morning, Westside Family Church. It's good to see you here at Lenexa and Speedway and those of you watching online. I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, your analog Bible, your digital Bible. And particularly helpful is to open up your Westside app. All the scriptures I'm going to be referring to are there as well as an outline. And we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. So as you're opening up your Bible and opening up your app, I'm going to tell you a story. It's an oldie but a goodie and it's going to really make the point. That's why I'm sharing it, right? So there's this country parson who uh, wants to buy a horse. And so the dealer uh, confirms for him that the horse he is looking at is the perfect purchase for him because, the dealer said, this horse has been raised in a religious environment. Wow. And so he said, for example, to get the horse to go, you don't say giddy up, but rather you say praise the Lord. And to get the horse to stop, you don't say woe, but you say Amen. The country parson, pastor, thought this was a good deal, paid for the horse, mounted the horse, said, praise the Lord, and the horse began to trot uh, off of the dealer's property toward the parson's home. Uh, About a mile or two in, uh, a jackrabbit jumps out and spooks the horse, and the horse takes off in a fierce Gallop, scared out of its mind, and it's heading for a cliff with a 500-foot drop. In a panic, the parson can't remember the words he's supposed to speak to get the horse to stop, and so he yells out, whoa, whoa, and he's pulling the reins, but the horse won't stop. And finally, at the last minute, he remembers, and he says, amen. And the horse comes to a stop right at the brink of the chasm to which the country parson says, Woo! Praise the Lord. (laughs) I love that. Today we're going to continue in our series on the ancient book of Proverbs found in the Old Testament. And we're going today to learn about the words that we speak and how powerful they are. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. If you agree with me that the parson experienced that literally, shout amen. 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 Yeah. The words we speak... The Bible says, Proverbs says, has the power to give us life and it has the power to take it away, which I think is something worth talking about. So we're going to spend the morning doing just that. The very first category that Proverbs is going to give to us is the power of words. Dr. Derek Kidner, whose commentary has been helpful for us in shaping this series, writes... This power springs largely from the ability of our words to penetrate beyond the skin into our soul. And Proverbs would agree. Chapter 12 and verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue 
of the wise brings healing. Did you know that the average person speaks 16,000 words a day? Yeah, yeah, some of you more. Not very many of you less. 16,000 words a day is like writing a 60-page book every single day. And so you can imagine spewing out 16,000 words. There's going to be tremendous opportunity to be reckless with your words in such a way that they hurt the people around you. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, was smoking something strange, man, because that is not true. As a matter of fact, negative words have the ability to pierce our inside to pierce our hearts and on the contrast positive words have the ability to heal us on the inside emotionally and even physically yeah proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24 writes gracious words are like a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones I want you to think back over your life and how words that have been spoken to you have penetrated deep into your soul and might even have affected your physical health. I thought about it this week and I came up with two examples, one negative, one positive. Both took place when I was 16 years old, a sophomore in high school. English class, uh, we were to write a paper and uh, presented in front of the class. I wrote the paper, and it came my day to present the paper in front of the class. I finished my presentation, and my English teacher, a guy, said, great presentation, Randy. And literally, it was one of the first times I knew that I could speak. And I turned to the teacher in front of the class and said, yes, I'm thinking about writing a book one day. And he said in front of the class, I don't see that happening. It pierced me deeply, so much so that I spent my life proving him wrong. I'm on book number 13 now in terms of, yeah. And I don't remember his name. Do you know his name? He's a nobody. But I've written 13 books to prove him wrong. Huh. Same year, 16 years old. I've told you this story before because it's so powerful in my life. Uh, I, was, I, I grew up in an unchurched home, so I'm in church. I'm a believer for about a year, a year and a half. And uh, I'm in the lobby of the church, and a man named Ray Teeter, see, I remember his name. He grabs me by the shoulders and said, Randy, you would make a good pastor. And i like, me? No one had ever spoken vision into my life. And I remember it to this day. And yet, I can tell you that neither one of those men likely remember they told me that, but I haven't forgotten it. So let me ask you a question. What are the words that you have spoken to other people that you won't remember you even said, but they'll still be talking about it 45 years from now? Yeah, that's a sobering thought. And while you're at it, why don't we throw out the power of nonverbal communication. Some of you speak 16,000 words a day with your lips, and some of you throw in another 10,000 with nonverbal communication. 
Yeah. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 30 says, Whoever winks with their eye is plotting perversity. Whoever purses their lips is bent on evil. So I thought the best way to do this was to get a demonstration. Let's give it up for our youth pastor, student pastor, J.J. Lang. Come on, students, give it up for him. Let's go. Okay, ready? Here we go. This is, give us the vicious wink. <laughs> Try that again. Okay, what do you think? Okay, pursing lips. Okay, how about rolling the eyes? Yeah, he learned that from you guys. Okay, how about throwing the head back? Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. How about palms hit forehead? Okay, how about the schmirk? Okay, how about typhoid? <laughs> Let's give it up for JJ. Who, by the way, is going to be bringing the message next week on what Proverbs says about the family. He's going to bring the fire. I'll bring the fire. That's right. Awesome. All right. Also, Proverbs talks about that words, the words that affect us, that haven't been spoken to us directly, they've been spoken about us to someone else. We're talking about gossip. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Think about over your life the gossip that someone has said about you and how when it got back to you. Because it always does. That's what's so stupid about gossip. We don't believe that it will get back to them. When someone says to you, hey, don't tell anyone, you should say back to them, I have the right to remain silent, I just don't have the ability. Right? Right? No one has the ability to remain silent. Gossip hurts like heck. And if we say this outside of the church, I use a different word. It hurts like heck. And while we're on the subject, let's talk about the power of social media, which didn't exist back in the days of Proverbs. But today, it is the medium for cowards. The medium for cowards. And today, the bullying and now the cyber bullying that is going on is out of control. And I've done the research, so I'm not just saying this anecdotally, but it is a bigger issue amongst the girls. Maybe you saw the episode of Seinfeld where uh, Jerry and George are in the famous restaurant and they're talking about a fight they had and how they just punched each other and got it all out and then went and had a beer. And Elaine just thinks this is just so immature and ridiculous. And so Jerry and George ask Elaine, so how do girls fight? And she said, we just talk behind each other's back until one of us develops an eating disorder. Yeah, 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 okay. And I have laughed at that many, many times until I realized it's true. And it's not that much fun. As a matter of fact, 59% of U.S. teens have been bullied or harassed. 59%. Students who have experienced bullying or cyberbullying are nearly two times more likely to attempt suicide. This is serious business, and I speak to you with great love. 
if you're a West Side student and I get word that you're pulling something like this on somebody else, I'm getting up in your business. You're going to see me. But I also want to say, if someone's doing this to you, you need to tell somebody. If you don't want to tell your parents, come tell me because I'll get up in that person's business as well and do some things to those people that you have no idea because you can't send a pastor to jail, man. <laughs> Ain't going to happen, right? Ain't going to happen, right? Come on now. Yeah. Serious, man. Now, here's the deal. Proverbs gives us a way to overcome penetrating negative words said about us from little demons. It's Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 9. You've got to listen. With their mouth, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. What does that mean? But through knowledge, the righteous escape. What do you do when someone tries to destroy you with their words? First of all, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait, particularly on social media. Do you know on Twitter, most of the people taking the, the, uh, that, are, that are harassing you aren't even real people. They are robots out there trying to stimulate negative conversation. I didn't know that, but yeah, there are robots, bots they call them, that are out there doing this to us. But many times they're real people and don't take the bait on social media. If you feel like you must confront them face to face, then do so. And when you do, what I'm going to recommend to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you Romans ate them. Romans ate them. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, understanding what Proverbs is saying here is understanding what is true about you. What is true about you, what they're saying is false about you. What is true about you comes from God, and it would be good to get a little sass when you do this. So we're going to put them on the screen. We're going, to, we're going to teach you how to Romans 8 somebody. And what I'd like you to do is think of that person who's said some things to you that aren't true about you, but you started to believe it, right? So what I need you to do, if you can, get your, little, your index finger out. You're going to wag it in front of their face, right? Here we go. We're going to put the first ones out. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Jesus doesn't contempt. Come on. Come on. Together. We're going to do it together. Ready? Jesus doesn't condemn, so neither can you. Next one. I have overcome death, so I can definitely overcome this. The next one, I'm a child of God. I might be a big deal. How about the next one? I'm no longer a slave to fear, so go ahead and take your best shot. How about this next one? God is going to work everything out for my good. Just you wait and see. Come on, the next one. If God is for me, who cares that you're against me? Next one. I will not only conquer this attack, I am more than a conqueror. You don't have enough sass for me, man. Come on, give me a little bit. I only think we got one more. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Got to give it to you. Ready? No matter what you say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And after you Romans ate them, yo, come on, give it up. That's what's true about you. Then after you Romans ate them with your finger, get real quiet, okay? Put your finger down and say, here's the truth. I'm not mad at you. I pity you. People who say what you've said to me do so to build themselves up because they feel so horrible about themselves. They step on other people to appear taller. So I'm going to pray 
for you that you don't feel so puny as a human being. Is that okay? Can I pray for you? I'm telling you, man, you should have to pay big money for this training I just gave you. This is a big deal, man. Okay, now on the positive side, there's a positive side to this, and that is, I have discovered, and James in the New Testament would agree, we, have, we do not have the ability not to gossip. We just don't have the ability. So what I'm going to suggest is instead of uh, trying not to gossip, gossip. But instead of it being negative about somebody, gossip positive things. For example, ladies, you're out at lunch, and you say, uh, hey, don't tell anyone. But... I learned that Ashley didn't come to our lunch yesterday because she is uh, mentoring a third grader at the local elementary school. I mean, who does stuff like that, man? And she missed our lunch. But don't tell anyone, right? Here's the deal. It's going to get back to Ashley. But how do you think Ashley's going to feel? She's going to feel great, and you got to gossip. See how that works? And here's the deal. You don't have to be rich to change someone's life. Words are free. And when you choose to use those words to build somebody up, give them life, to tell a 16-year-old boy he might make a good pastor, then one day he actually does it. That's the power of words. Now, Proverbs is going to turn our attention to the weakness of words. While words can be very powerful, they are also very weak in some instances. Let me give you a few. Number one, words are no substitute for action. Words are no substitute for action. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, Hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. Pretty common stuff. Most Westsiders I know are hard workers. You started at the bottom of the barrel. You got up every day. You did your time. You rose, and now you're successful. That's how it's done. But there are a few people out there. You likely have a relative, Cousin Eddie. You likely have a relative who's trying to bypass the system and kind of do some talking, right? So that's true. But it doesn't just apply to work. It applies to promises. One of the worst things you can do, particularly as a parent, is to make promises with your word and then not deliver on them. Whether the promise is to do something with your child or to deliver on a punishment, both are negative. It is better to keep your mouth shut than to overpromise and underdeliver. And all of the children and students said, Amen. Amen. Number two, words cannot alter the facts. Words cannot alter the facts. Feast your eyes on Proverbs chapter 26, beginning in verse 23. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as pretty glaze covers a clay pot. People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they are deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but they don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoing will be exposed in public. Dr. Kidner writes, The most impenetrable charm has in the end no chance against the facts in which it disguises. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12 says, 
Don't excuse yourself by saying, look, we didn't know. For God understands all hearts and he sees you. He who guards your soul knows, uh, knows you knew and he will repay all people as their actions deserve. Yeah, yeah, that famous line to get you out of trouble. Hey, man, I didn't know, right? How many times have I pulled that one, particularly on Roseanne? Oh, man, I really didn't know when, in fact, I did know. But it's her word against mine. I didn't know, man. God says, I look into your heart, and I know that you knew. And when you pull that ploy, it ticks me off. That's what this says. You tick God off when you do that. Don't do that unless you don't think it's that bad of a deal for God to be ticked off at you. Number three, words cannot force a response. I love this one. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 19 says, Words alone will not discipline a servant. The words may be understood, but they are not heeded. Now, what does that mean? It means here that a servant can refer to a child, it can refer to a student, it can refer to an employee, quite a host of people, and it means for some of them, the words won't work. They only learn the hard way. Words won't work on them, they only learn the hard way, which is a crazy way to live. Wouldn't you agree? Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 10 gets quite graphic. It says, a single rebuke does more for a person of understanding but a hundred lashes than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. What does that mean? Some people respond very well to counsel. Others need to get beat a hundred times to learn a lesson. I decided years ago that I'm not the sharpest, sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not. I admit that, right? But I do know I don't want to get beat a hundred times to learn something at the end of the day I could have learned by simply listening to the wisdom of someone ahead of me that knew the right way to go. Can I get an amen, right? I recommend it. Now, we talked about the power of words, the weakness of words. I want to wrap up with the words at their best. Proverbs tells us about uh, the concept of words at their best. You really want to make a difference with the 16,000 words you're going to speak today? Here God's inspired advice. Number one, they will be honest. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Honest answer, what does it mean? It means shoot straight. It means that you tell people, here's what's really going on. And can I recommend one more piece of advice? Say the last 10%. Most conversations are not honest because we only did 90% of the conversation. We leave the last 10% off the table and that ends up hurting us. If you're wise, you'll say the last 10%. Number two, they will be few. Maybe you heard the words of Abraham Lincoln, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah, as a follower of Jesus, he got that from Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 28 that reads, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. 
with their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Maybe tomorrow, kick your word count down from 16,000 to 10,000 and see how that works out for you. Number three, they will be calm. They will be calm. I mentioned this uh, a while back. I did a national uh, study with George Gallup uh, called The Spiritual State of the Union in concert with the University of Pennsylvania. And we, we did a, a, a survey across America, believers, non-believers, all people, on a listing of 30 indicators uh, in life. And uh, the one that was at the very bottom, that is the thing that people struggle with the most in America, whether Christian or non-Christian, is a response to this question. I am known for raising my voice. There's something in the drinking water of America where people like to raise their voice or they cannot help themselves to raise their voice. And here's the deal. The person who raises their voice ultimately loses. And I say ultimately loses because in the moment when you're screaming your head off at somebody, they may back down because you scare them and you're not going to come to any terms anyhow. So in that moment, you won the war. No, you won the battle. But you lost the war in a relationship with them. Why? Because nobody, my friends, not a single living human being likes people who scream. So stop screaming! Stop screaming! Did I make my point? (laughs) If you're a parent and you find yourself screaming all the time, it's because you have not taken the time to follow through on the power and the responsibility you have to discipline. Teddy Roosevelt says, speak softly and carry a big stick. Finally, they will be timely words will be timely. A famous proverb, chapter 25 and verse 11, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the right and proper time. Oh, if over my life and the remaining years I have, if before I say something, I simply check myself by saying to myself, would this be the best time to say this? Can you imagine all of the pain you would have saved yourself and the people in your life if we just took the time to ask that question? Now, here's the last thing that Proverbs wants to teach us about words, and I kid you not, this is the most important thing I will have said all day. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do, everything you do is flowing from it. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I had the privilege several years ago, I think it was 05, to write a, rewrite a book for Dr. Dallas Willard, a professor at the University of Southern California, rewrite a book 
called the Renovation of the Heart for Students. Well, by the way, English teacher, it was like book number 10, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't mean to be bragging. I'm just, he's still in my head, you know. And one of the things that Dallas Willard taught us from the scripture about life is that if someone says something to you that hurts, and then they say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, they did. This is what the Bible says. Every word you speak, you actually meant to say. What you are actually saying to the person is, oh, I meant it. I just didn't mean to speak it out loud to you. And that's why in the teachings of Jesus, when he said, when someone insults you, that slaps you on the cheek, which is an insult in the, in the Jewish custom, someone does it, you take that insult and you take it down into your heart and you evaluate it. And first of all, you Romans ate it and go like, no, not true of me. Or, oh, okay, I deserve that. And then you think, okay, how do I want to respond? Because your heart is not the same as it was last year or 10 years ago, there's no desire in your heart to return the insult with another insult. And so you say to the person who's just slapped you, insulted you, you say, I don't want to do that to you. So I guess it's your turn again. Oftentimes when we read that turn the other cheek, we think we're trying to be obedient to Jesus by saying, oh man, keep in mind, I only have four cheeks, man. So, so you got three more tries and then I'm coming after you. Obedience to Jesus. No, it's not about obedience. It's basically your heart has changed. And you go, I don't want to do that, man. My heart is different. The only way to truly master your words is not through discipline or restraint, but rather to invite God daily to do open heart surgery and inviting him to clean out the darkness that is there. And you will change. And when that happens, what you will say will have the power to produce life in you and other people. And all of God's people said, Amen. praise the Lord. Let's be standing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in your word today. We ask that your spirit uh, would teach us what specific thing we needed today to heal, to be more like your son. And now we have the opportunity to speak words out of our mouth that are all true. Words about who you are and how much you love us and how able you are to handle anything that comes our way and also to speak words about who we are to you that should give us confidence that as we leave this place today that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Receive our worship today in the name of Jesus. Amen.